Hello and welcome to another episode of Sit Down, Shut Up and Listen. Here today we've got um, another person that I just met just now. Uh, oh shit, just kidding, I have it. Your name is Justin. There you go. Hello Justin and welcome to this episode of Sit Down, Shut Up and Listen. So Justin is a paramedic. He has been a paramedic for... 10 years and he was an EMT uh, for six years before that and he's been on an ambulance since he was 13 years old as a volunteer so he just loves the sick cripples and dying that is his passion he loves that population <laughs> <laughs> that special population yes so he loves the 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 people in dire need. You love to help the people in love dire to help. need. Yes. Yes. You love to help. Is there? So go ahead and say hi. Hello. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to disclose about yourself, like your deepest, darkest secrets and fears? Ooh. Um. For a while, I had a fear of heights. Oh, is that a problem in your job ever? Um. Y- it can be. Um, so are you just like, hey, um, Mich- Mer- Michael, you want to take that for me? Uh, oh, with the, the heights problem? Yeah, like, hey, hey, anybody else, mm. you want to take this for me? I'm a no-go. No. I'm, or do you have to just, like, face that fear in the moment? You have to face that fear. So, okay. um, actually, part of, um, I've had to overcome that fear because I'm part of a um, urban search and rescue team uh, locally. So, what I'm a paramedic assigned to a team that specializes in one of those things is rope rescue and okay. high-angle rescue. So, so, let's say someone is on a side of a building and is having a medical emergency off some scaffolding and they can't get them down they call us so one of the things that i have to uh, do as a paramedic but also as a medical specialist for that team is actually rappel off the building to go treat the patient oh. so when we have our trainings which we do every year um, we, we're always you know refreshing our skills and everything and being repelling or you know rope rescue is one of them uh, I have to kind of like tell myself, you know, quit, you know, don't be, don't be scared. Just do what you need to do. Get outside of the building and go and you do what you have to do. So heights is one of them. Spiders. I, mean, I think everyone doesn't like spiders. And then, um, but have you ever really had to deal with that? Spiders? Or is, does someone ever call you for a spider issue? I mean, yeah, like a spider bite after the, yes, people oh, do call for spider oh, bites, but I'm going to talk about like, that. if I see like a spider, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> snakes aren't a good thing. I don't like snakes. Uh, and so, but I mean, I can handle the emergency after the fact if someone's bit by a snake or a spider, but That's true. just dealing with like a snake, like, you know, it's, in a moment. Mm, yeah, no a moment. I'll be like, oh, I gotta go. Leave. So you have to like save yourself as you're saving them. In right. Some, mentally. Yeah. Mentally you have to, you know, put things aside and, um, obviously, uh, take care of the task at hand. Right. So. Uh, a lot of those things, uh, fears and such, like I had to try to climb a ladder the, uh, a few years, uh, about six months ago, I had to go up, try to, I was about to climb up a 24 foot extension ladder, but luckily they were like, no, come down, don't need to do that. So, but that's a whole other story. Uh, what are you talking about? If you'd like, cause where I was to do that, that uh, was a different kind of place yeah. to climb the ladder. I was actually uh, deployed to Surfside, Miami. Where the building collapsed. Uh, <gasps> no way! I was there for, no for eight days. No way! So, uh, the question that I always got was like, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? That is the worst that thing. That was the seen. worst thing, that building collapse. Mm-hmm. So, 
What did you do there? I, you know, as a medical specialist, I uh, took care of my team. So I had, we got deployed about 40 of us. Uh, we, uh, from different fire departments and uh, EMS from around where uh, I live and where I work. Uh, we were sent there as a team uh, to assist uh, the city of Miami and uh, Miami-Dade Fire Rescue. And so as my job as a medical specialist is to take care of my team. So I have to make sure my guys and gals are good. I have to make sure that they are healthy. Uh, any kind of health issues that they or injuries, I have to address them and treat them. And also I take care of the dog. So our search and rescue canine. Really? I have to t- take care of Magnus, our dog. So Aww. yes, um, it's a literally, it's, um, it's a different experience. Uh, that whole, um, that whole, I mean, it was eight days and it's so hard to process it now. And still today, I'm still like thinking like, wow, like you hear about like, my family was calling me, you're in, you know, you're on the news and it's international news. And I'm like, I, I couldn't even think or fathom how intense like this the whole eyes of the world were on this incident and here i am you know in the middle of it it, you know and and you know trying to find survivors and it was just uh you know but what we did there obviously uh 90 plus people perished uh but we were able to help uh have those families get closure and that was a really big thing uh to see uh, the families were very involved, uh, the, more than any other, I think, collapse in, in the United States. They were very involved. They wanted answers, and they wanted to find their level at one. So we were able to go there and try our hardest and find uh, survivors. Our team uh, that I work, what I work with, um, we found, I believe, four total. And, uh, yeah, so it was a long eight days. Very little sleep and... Uh, very little uh, downtime, so. That's crazy. Thank you, though. Yeah, you're welcome. That's it's, so awesome, like, that you did that. Yeah, it's it's something that not everyone does. It's a very, uh, it's a very specialized team that I, I work with, and uh, I couldn't be more proud of the, the guys, the guys and the girls I work with on that team. They're just amazing. That's so great. So, yeah. What, what would you say is, like, the thing that hit you the most when going there like like what do you what was like the most memorable or what really just like wowed you out of that whole experience the the amount of like how much like people reached out and there was memorial set up there was vendors people random anyone that was there to help and they were like what you know people you know, general strangers just seeing like the camaraderie between like our teams and the other teams and everyone working together like on the same page but also like how the community responded and how they were there for the victims and there for the you know uh for the you know of the champlain towers the the, the residents there and the, and the victims of the, of the collapse so you saw people more coming together do you see less hatred and more just people coming together to like find solutions and help each other um i saw or do you see a mix I saw a little bit of a mix of everything. Um, you, I saw people that were totally did not even watch the news. Apparently, they didn't know. They're like rolling <laughs> down the street. I'm like, there's there's something going on here. They're like, what's going on? Wow. Okay. Just, just totally like, blindsided people. Totally blind. Yeah. People like people that even live. They lived in Miami. They, they had no idea. And then you had like people that were like, hey, we're here. The people donating food. Restaurants donating food to us. Uh, you know, to to feed us. Uh, the uh, we had a um a church mission that was um. 
they they go around to major disasters and they just showed up and said, hey, we're, we have a full thing of food. We have people and volunteers who want to help, you know, uh, you know, set up shop. And we're like, yeah, please, you know. And so it was so great to see different organizations and play people and work with people that you would have thought you would never work with or, or, or you know, experience, you know, interact with there. So it was a lot of things like you didn't think about like logistically wise and that, you know, like, Oh, I didn't totally free. Like didn't think like where would we stay or what would we do and how that works. So we had a really good, um, I would say it was, it was a very, uh, humbling, um, experience to be there. Uh, it was a very, um, stressful and yet, um, just being able to, you know, find closure, you know, get closure for people, uh, and people and the victims and the victims families. It just, it was, it was nice. Really rewarding. Very sure. rewarding. Yes. Yeah. So how many paramedics or EMTs were there? Like how many service workers, I guess? So under our team, so you had obviously the local resources that were there. Um, and then you had um, search and rescue teams from around, uh, we have teams from around the world. So we had uh, teams from Florida. And so there's about, 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 I would say about 500 of us. Wow. So we had um, teams from all over the state that were there and they were doing their thing. Uh, they, they're there, obviously we're all different types, not different types, but different sizes of teams, but mostly uh, about close to 500. We even had a team from Israel that showed up. Whoa! Yeah, so they were, you know, like, you know, they, as soon as the collapse happened, they got on the plane and they came and helped. So was this collapse just because um, the, just like, ma- lack, lack of maintenance? I can't really speak for that. I, I don't really know the backstory. I mean, I know that it, that's currently an investigation that's going on. It's going to be going on for years. So for me to comment on it, I can't. I, I don't I don't have that information of what if there was faulty uh, maintenance or anything on the building. But what I do know is that it, uh, I know that around one in the morning that that building came down, that major collapse. So uh, they're still obviously looking through and right. doing the, you know, uh, you know different uh, agencies are doing investigations on it. So for me to comment about it, I can't. That's right. not my place. Okay. But I can tell you what, what I saw. Well, yeah, if you want to hear about that, really, it's uh, not really the greatest thing to have, but... Uh, but I, the experiences in that, and, um, yeah. <laughs> what would you, okay, I'm going to change the topic a little bit. Okay, Um, Because cool. right before we started talking, I was, I'm actually a little bit confused. There's several, this is not my area of expertise, yeah. so I don't know, like, some of the terminology. Sure. Like, even uh, just as basic as, like, what differentiates an EMT versus a paramedic? Good question. So an EMT, um, emergency medical technician, is about is somebody that's uh, takes about a semester of uh, like a class is about a semester long. It deals with things outside of the body. So the basic like CPR, first aid, you know, splinting. Uh, they can administer certain medications like albuterol or like an EpiPen, um, and they can uh, perform you know certain skills like I said like splinting. Uh, they can do. Uh, Let's see, uh, backboarding. They can do. Uh, okay, so you know, paramedics so, more. So yeah, so that it's it's a it's about six months, and then a paramedic is about a year and a half to two years. And what that is okay. is somebody that can, um, oof, we can assist with like uh, airway management, so we can 
pretty much innovate you, put a tube down your throat and breathe for you. We can uh, monitor your heart. We can read EKGs. We can see what's wrong with your heart. We can slow your heart, speed up your heart, stop your heart, slow it down. Uh, you know, we can do it with medications and, uh, and uh, defibrillation and cardiac monitoring. Okay. So well, really extensive. Like okay, something so... that can fix something within and keep you stabilized until you get to the hospital. Okay, so... Would you say that most people that start this profession, they'll like start off as EMTs, yes. if they like that, they'll move on to paramedic? Yeah, so they'll start as an EMT and then uh, progress to paramedic, yeah. Okay. Um, what got you into this lifestyle? Not quite sure. I think, I don't know what it was. Um, you were on, on an ambulance when you were 13. So, yeah. So, um, they, I think my family, my parents knew I was going to do this profession way before I did. Um Apparently, there was a great, a great idea to put the soccer field near close to the fire station. So when the, you know, the siren would go off at the fire department, um, I would stop dead in my tracks while playing soccer and look at the fire truck going by. So they knew. So like, there was an interest. So there was an interest at they a very young that. age. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when I moved to Florida, uh, I'm originally from New York, and I moved to Florida when I was 13, um, the, uh, the par- fire department that was where I live, near where I lived on the east coast of Florida, had a fire explorer program. So it was a, for teenagers, 13 to 18, that can join the fire department, learn skills, and then eventually cool. ride along with the fire department. And so uh, when I knew pretty much at 13 years old that, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. That's pretty cool. Just that's cool like that that's, you knew. That's right there. I'm going to do it. So, And then it's, that's how I started. And I graduated high school, got my EMT license. I went to EMT school. And then uh, worked as an EMT uh, around uh, Florida for a little bit. And then I moved to, uh, a friend of mine taught me to move into Louisville, Kentucky, which is like, people are like, why Kentucky? And I'm like, well. Why not? Why not? Yeah. In like my early 20s, why not? Let's go do something. So I went up there and that's where I became a paramedic. And I worked there uh, for about six years. And then I moved, uh, decided to be close to my parents. They live, you know, around. So I said, hey, I'll just move on back down Come to back. Florida. Yeah. Okay. So I've been back here for about... Uh, five years now, so. Okay. What would you say are, like, the biggest pros to being a paramedic and the biggest cons? Like, give me, like, a top oh. three or top two. Pros. Best things and worst things uh, to the job. Pros would be the, uh, what you do. Uh, you bring calm to chaos. You provide compassionate care to people. You change when people are having a bad day. You're the one there that they look to to fix it. Um, so you know, every you know, no one ever just you know thinks they're gonna call. Wake up in the morning you're like I'm gonna call a paramedic today. No one ever does that. So, <laughs> um, and so we, you know, it, it's it's rewarding. You know, you get to see. You know, you get to do uh, you know, experience things and do things and you know in different capacities, but at the same time provide great medical care and help people in need. Um, the, so the pros of that, uh, I would also say like, you know, you get to do like assistant, like deliver babies. So I delivered three in the field, you know, like you kind of see the circle of life. You see like, you know, you deliver, you know, a child. And then unfortunately you also like, you know, were there when people, well, uh, die. So that is uh yeah that's pretty interesting it's it's, it's really inter- yeah it's very very it's like you see death you see life and you see near death and you see near death and you see you know people at their worst and people at their best right yeah that's pretty cool actually yeah. and then <laughs> there's the variety and the, yeah. the craziness of it all and then the cons of hmm, sleep deprivation <laughs> um right do you guys yeah. know the 
any how do you feel about the work-life balance to this position it is a little tough like it's different so like it's funny how I met you, like, on a dating site. Um, and how, like, <laughs> that is very difficult to do in this profession is yeah. actually dating. Because people, a lot of people don't understand what I do or what, or, you know, what you know, we do. Like, and you try to explain to them, like, yeah, like, I work once every third day for 24 hours. Like, a third of my life is work, right. essentially. And then, of course, I do extra things. So a lot of my time is very precious and limited uh, that I have, like, free time. Well, if you uh, think about it, I work for a third of... Or you're saying you work for a third of the year, which actually sounds great to a lot of people because they work for more than that. But you have to recoup because mm-hmm. you work. You're twenty. You're on for twenty four fucking hours. Yes. So then you need to, like, you're a zombie for the next twenty four hours. Well, I mean, yeah, we have like we have to like have places that we can like sleep. We have beds and such, but there there will be shifts where that ain't happening. You don't, right, 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 yeah. and then you you're recovering and then you still have stuff you need to do outside of work so Mm -hmm. then it's it's really like yeah you don't really have that much pressure like you really don't have that much time to do things you want to do yeah so it's it's very um it's very uh labor intensive it can be and the Uh, times are probably random right you're like mm -hmm. i got this tuesday where i feel like i can do something right isn't it probably kind of random like, like you don't have a yeah. Monday through Friday and then there's no yeah so like it's kind of weird like like Tuesday like you know you want to go hang out like hey let's go kayaking it's like but I'm at work like other people where they work the Monday through Friday right right not, eight to five my my schedule is different and then of course then like you miss holidays you miss you know your right. your kid you know if you have kids your kid's birthday you have to you know sometimes miss those things because you have work so there's a lot of um it it can take a toll so it takes like i think it takes a a, a person that's understanding to kind of like to date a first responder because we were obviously we to try to go home and sit at the dinner table and be like oh yeah yesterday was great you know did this right. at work you know so it was uh, flexibility is key flexibility is key it's definitely a different kind of uh, work um so that you know you have like you know sleep deprivation um i don't know ptsd <laughs> Um, there's a lot of, you know, you don't see things, you see the not normal things. Right, right. That kind of sounds like teaching in a way where the highs are very high. Like, the rewards are very rewarding, Mm -hmm. and the lows are very difficult. Yes. Right? Like, the sleep deprivation and the stuff that you have to see, Mm -hmm. but the help that you're doing is so great, it makes it worth it. Yes. So, yeah, that's... As a teacher, I, I get that it's like a roller coaster every single day. Yeah. And your emotions are kind of like all over the place because just all the shit that you have to go through. And every day is different. And every, yeah, well, yep. there's a lot of variety. So there's definitely a lot of similarities between, similarities between the two mm-hmm. positions. Um, what would you say are the top three traits that someone would need to have in order to be a successful paramedic? Uh, like let's say you were like yeah. the you know the person hiring. Yeah, so we look for people that are um, that are patient, that are uh, understanding, compassionate, uh, honesty goes a long way. Okay, TikTok top three. Oh, top, top three. three. Sorry, I like, just went. I just went. I know there. you're like. I, know like, I guess how you're just like ah this 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 this, this. top three would say I would say integrity. Okay. Um, you have to be. Uh, have a lot of integrity because people are calling you at any time of the day or night and they can inviting you into their home uh, or where they are and they have you know there has to be a certain level of trust um you have to have 
great communication skills because you have to talk to different people no matter what. You have to put biases in everything you might have or something. Like, you have to treat anybody and everybody no matter what. No matter what they did or who they are, you have to treat them. So you have to pretty much be very understanding. Um, and you have to be, uh, you know, you have to take pride in what you do. Some people, you know, they get into our profession thinking it's blood, guts, and glory, and like, oh my God, I'm gonna save so many lives, and it's like, but but are you really? Like, you have to, you're more of a social worker at some point. You're more of a, um, you have to, you know, be there for people, and then, and not right. just them, but their families. And, right. you know, you have to have a, you know, be professional all, at all times. You can't, you know, you have to put aside things that might bother you and deal with the task at hand. Right. So, yeah. All right. That sounds, that totally makes sense to me. Um, can you share any crazy stories? Like, really memorable stories. Like, what are the first ones that come to mind? <sighs> crazy stories. Uh, every time someone asks me this question, I always go blank. I don't know why. Probably because uh, there's so much that you see and you just want to block it out of your yeah, mind. Well, that's probably one of them. Um, I've seen... Uh, I'm trying to think positive stories. Oh, I have one. So every year, um, I'm reminded on Facebook because one of my survivors that went into cardiac arrest in front of me added me on Facebook years ago. Are you serious? And so every oh year, gosh. she likes to thank me on Facebook. Thank you so much for saving my life. And yeah. so it's kind of great. Like, and it's very rare. Like, rare. For them to find you and say thank find, you. Yeah, so apparently years ago, she um, was having difficulty breathing and she called 911 and me and my uh, partner got there and she was very upset at the people that were the other first responders that were there and told them all to get out and I was like wait 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 like we're here let me help you and she's like okay well I need to go get something from my room real quick and I'll be right back and I'm like okay and so they left that's so odd she was having difficulty breathing but then but she she's was, like fuck you guys i don't want you here i don't care if i'm having a difficult time because they, they I want you here. apparently the people that were there before me the first the, the other um i would say well, they, i don't want to dial them out but uh the, one of the fire departments i you know, this is this was years ago and up north uh so one of the fire departments the the, the fire truck the, the crew there was like oh she's faking it whatever i go no i don't think she is but we'll i'll assess her and see what's up and then her son walked outside because she was actually the reason why she called too is because she was getting in an argument with her son and then suddenly fell short of breath after you know yelling and screaming at him. So I'm like, all right. And her son walked outside, was like, hey, my mom's having a seizure on the floor. I was like, uh oh. So me and like two police officers or you no, know, cops came shortly after. We ran into the apartment, found her on the floor, and in cardiac arrest. So I grabbed the cardiac monitor that has a defibrillator, put her on the defibrillator saw that she was in a uh, V-fib, which is a lethal rhythm, ventricular fibrillation. So pretty much the heart's quivering. Like, And so how you fix that is, you know, defibrillation, shocking her. So I was able to charge the monitor, shock her, about to start CPR on her, and then all of a sudden she woke up. And her heart rate was very slow, and then went really fast, and then she came up like, ah, screaming, and I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, it's so, like, you, know, you just crazy. didn't expect it. And then she then she was arguing with me, like, I didn't die. I'm like, yes, you did. 
<laughs> what the heck? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> she's you, arguing with you. She's arguing now. with me, and she's like, do I need to go to the hospital? And like, the fire department was there, the police officer, all of us were like, yes. And she's like, okay, fine. That's hilarious. She had a that huge, is actually so yeah, funny. she was having a huge heart attack, a huge, they call MI, uh, a heart attack. And so we got her to the hospital. She got to a cath lab, was able to get a stent in her heart, fixed the blockage that was in her heart. And she is still walking around today. Um, year, months later, I guess a year or two later, she found me on Facebook. She was going through her medical records and found the e- the report that I wrote about mm-hmm. the incident, you know, a, a patient care report. And she reached out. She found me on Facebook and was like, hey. I'm like, oh, my God, you're alive. Oh, my God, you're still alive. Oh, this is great. Like, this is awesome. And yeah. so I got to uh, – she had a thing at her church and, like, a little ceremony and stuff. And um, that's probably one of the most rewarding calls is actually seeing that, you know, uh, even years from now, years later. Yeah, that day, is kind of crazy. She's still – and then she's like, well – and she messaged me, like, a few – I would say about a year or two ago we talked and – about a year ago and then she's like well i need to go back to the cardiologist again i go yeah you should because i'm not there to help you now i'm like moved you know yeah. <laughs> i'm not in kentucky anymore yeah. uh so she's uh but she's doing well i think she got uh, remarried and everything and you know, <laughs> i know her backstory now her besties yeah now you know so she got remarried and uh you know and uh, life's been good for her so it's got to just, just be able to see that she's doing know, well doing well because that's one thing that we don't really get a lot of is like uh, outcomes or closure like we once we right were, once, you, you help out you move on we move on to the next one so right. it's, it's, so it's, do you feel underappreciated hmm, i wouldn't say it yes and no like it's not that we feel underappreciated i feel as if the community as a whole really doesn't understand what emergency medical services does which is not you know i guess maybe or do you think a lot of them appreciate what you do but they just don't reach out like she does like they just don't put forth the effort like, like they, the, they, they, like, the, they're thankful for you but like they the patients don't for the general it. public I, I guess both the general public like the people that you help maybe oh more. The um, people they help me more they're, they're definitely thankful but they don't really do much to show that because they just like it's like oh I don't even know who helped me how do I reach out to them if I don't know that it's just kind of like somewhat of a hassle even though they've done a, you've done a lot for that no I, I honestly I, I don't need the thanks like I don't need someone to you know, reach out to me and be like, thank you so much. Like, I don't do it for that. Like, I just do it to, to help. Okay. So if they do reach out to me, awesome. Like, I, I listen, I, I appreciate it. Like, I love to hear how, you know, if they're doing well. That's 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 great. But, okay. it, it, you know, but, but it's not, not necessary. It's not necessary. No, it's not. It's what not, about the general public, though? The general public, I think um, they have don't really have an understanding of, like, what, uh, really what we do. do and what actually, Goes on. I don't want to sound mean, but... Some people really don't know what an emergency, a true medical emergency is. Some people are very... Right, some people will call they at like call such me. minor things. Oh my goodness. What's like the most... Can you now give me another story? A hanging like, toenail. Got... A what? A hanging toenail. Oh God. See, that's... See, now they're like wasting resources, right? I mean, but in their mind, they don't know how to handle the emergency. Right. So in their and mind, that's... it's an emergency and that's fine. Like, right. I'll, I will go there and be like... You really don't need an ambulance. You probably need to do this, but I'll take you to the hospital because that's obviously. Are they freaking out? Some people are. Some people are like, "Yeah, I'm sick," or like, "Yeah, like, uh, you know." What do you ask them? Like, "Hey, why did you call us?" And I, 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 no, like, I, I don't approach it like that. I approach it like, (laughs) um, 
I'm uh, having. Ex- why did you call me? So uh, what I usually ask is, well, if we take you to the hospital, the doctor's going to ask me what's wrong with you. What do you want me to tell them? And usually, sometimes it's like people are like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. Like I should yeah. just go and, you know, a lot of people do call for you know simple things that they can handle or go to an urgent care for. Um, and we're slowly, you know, realizing that that's another thing is the EMS system uh, around the United States that we're trying to more move more toward a community, you know, paramedicine community, um, like mobile healthcare, you know, um, going away from the you call, we haul, that's all. That's, that's what I call it. The, uh, hey, you call 911, you need an ambulance, let's go. You know, we're doing things that uh, that are helping, like, you know, guide them to care that would be more better beneficial for them because no one wants to sit in an ER for eight hours and wait in a waiting room you know now now, especially since covid that whole that's changed a lot of what we do too right so uh, how um covid was uh still is um it's a it's it's a different kind of response we had to change up how we handle calls how we you know our personal protective equipment are um it it does especially when a, a provider gets uh you know gets covid-19 you know we, it affects resources our staffing uh you know and, and all and this is not just here where i live but all, everywhere everywhere yeah. so we had to really adapt to how we um uh, handle those calls and those patients we couldn't what what we would do usually for a patient that's short of breath, we had to kind of change our tactic a little bit because aerosolized treatments, you're just blowing the COVID all over the place. So let's, you know, they're trying to use it. What I would just give them a normal treatment for, like a breathing treatment or something, I had to then do like outside of an ambulance or outside of an enclosed area because uh, that would cause, obviously, the, the when them coughing, the COVID comes out, it'll cough up the, you know, coughing up COVID pretty much you know, spread the, you know, COVID uh, around uh, in the air. So it was kind of a little bit of a different, uh, and of course, like wearing different you know, personal protective equipment. I went from wearing like, you know, just a regular polo and pants to then now I'm wearing a full suit right. that I'm sweating in profusely because it's like 110 degrees outside. Yeah. Do so. You, yeah. Do you have any other like crazy stories to share like one more crazy story mm, one more crazy story um something memorable uh, let's see i can't really think of one off the top of my head right now but i'm sure like the second you hit the like they you know do the outro and hit the uh, end button you like one. i got one you're like great can't do it but no so i i think i think that's a I think the, the the one story I got, I think it's think that was, good. That one hit the hardest? That one hit the hardest, yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything that you'd want the listeners to know about what you do that we haven't talked about? Um, yeah, if you see us driving down the street, move to the right for sirens and lights, please. That would be great. Because <laughs> trust me, if you want to see someone have road rage, it's probably one of us because you don't know how to get out of the way of the ambulance. That's- um Funny. Always have medicines like written down on a piece of paper. Uh, don't always put eighteen cars in front of the the front door because then we can't get to the house. Um, just <laughs> things that you can look <laughs> tips at. Tips for civilians. Uh, tips for civilians. Uh, get go and get a CPR class. It's free and you can save a life. So please. Is it free for everyone? I believe so. Yeah. I think Is we, it really? I, think, I, I don't know. Or that might be like, or it might be minimal. Maybe like twenty dollars, twenty five dollars. Um, Is but, it? 
the, but yeah, like those are things that you can get. Like if you really want to help, like actually you're from, can I say that where you're from? Yeah. All right. So you're from Seattle. Right. The best place to have a cardiac arrest or cardiac event. <laughs> if you want to have one, the have, best place to if go. If you want to try to die in a place because of a cardiac event, it's Seattle, Washington. Why? Because everyone, and you know this because you're from there, has to go through CPR class in high school. Right? You all, you all have to get CPR or have to do some no. first aid. Really? Uh, maybe in the city. Maybe I in was the city. just right out of Seattle. So inside the city of Seattle, in, in, in the city limits of Seattle, Washington, you have to be, like, have to, the high school, you have That's to have part CPR. Of, okay, yeah. I was and, right outside of Seattle. But maybe if you mm-hmm. are in the Seattle school district, that might be a requirement. Maybe. But that was one of the things where, like, it is the best place to have a cardiac, be in cardiac arrest is Seattle and the paramedics there are trained to such a high. I'm not surprised about that. They're trained to with such a high standard and level. It's like you can be a health, paramedic. Health there, like I actually am so holding on to my doctors over there because yeah. I like I I've had you know I've seen a couple doctors, dentists, like you know overall health professionals here, and then I've you know how do I help professionals over there, and I'm like I miss my health professionals over yeah. there. Seattle Seattle Health professionals are are top notch seattle like when it comes to anything involving my profession they are the um like king county medic one seattle fire department all those guys over there in seattle they are very very good at their job like you can take you can go anywhere like if you were to go anywhere like and be like walk in like hey i work in seattle you're like wow like they like you can go apply there as a medic for 20 years somewhere else you still have to go back to paramedic school like their school and learn and train and do everything like they literally literally have like such a high uh like more skills and prestige yeah so it's and uh, again the best place to have a heart attack and go into cardiac arrest is seattle washington so that is so funny they have the highest survival rates so yeah okay they have the highest survival i did not know that by like you know what what the ratio is compared to the next state i would say like they're in seattle i think like i think their numbers are like i can't don't quote me but i know that it's about 50 percent like you have a very good chance of getting like if someone witnesses you having a cardiac you know event or going into cardiac arrest they you're most likely to survive because of bystander cpr that's the because big it's because of how they do it because of how they do it and how everyone there pretty much someone like there has an aed which is a little defibrillator box in like every business and they have people oh that are, i believe that too and CP- they're like they're what every every i feel like establishments there are like well equipped yes with that kind of stuff and then it, there's always a bystander that knows cpr like nearby yeah and they use different uh there's actually an app out there now um that literally you sign up for and if you're in a place that had uses the app that they will alert you in a public if it's a public in a public place that hey cpr is needed and it'll actually give you directions to where the person is holy crap yeah so it's that's actually, nuts it's pretty cool but yeah so i mean it's uh yeah if you out there get a cpr class first aid class they offer them everywhere aha.org just go please yeah and if it's not free you could probably find some kind of way to make it free yeah oh yeah on also too Honestly. is where would uh, you say is that where would you say is the best place to take a class like american red clock cross uh american heart association aha where was i thinking is that a place it's what, not really is a place is, it's is, like or an is organization the place that I, is the place that i said a thing no, no it is american red cross does provide Do that. cpr but classes you're, but, but you're saying but there are places all over the all over the country and all over the world that are american heart association so they're the ones that okay. set the guidelines I think I've and standards both of those places. i think i've yeah. taken it from both of those so yeah it's one of those it's a it's a great you know opportunity plus also if you don't know cpr and you call nine one one, 
our call takers are going to ask you a bunch oh, of yeah, questions. Oh, yeah, what's the first thing? Oh, let's just do that. Yeah. What's the, let's say, something. It could be, let's say it, it was anything, actually. Yeah. Kind of vague. Well, not vague, but it was an emergency situation. Yes. Oh, I guess it can't be vague. You can, no, just throw, throw, a, throw a, a scenario. You want but to, you would say the first thing to do in an emergency situation is to quickly assess the situation, like observe what's going on, and then within the first 10 seconds... I guess it, it depends. So, like, what? Like, like, because, I mean, ultimately, the first thing, like, one of the first things you should do is call 911. Tell yes. them what's happening, I guess, as so, you're assessing. So, what happens And then is, they will, and then and then whoever you call will direct you yes, and tell so, you what to do. Yeah, so how that works is, so you call 911, and wherever you are in the United States, they're going to ask you where, it, where you're located. They're going to ask you for your location. They're going to ask you for your phone number. They're going to ask you... Your what, name, right? Your name, sometimes, yeah. And they're going to ask you what's going on. Tell them what's going on, and then they're going to ask you a series of questions. Aren't no. you typically going to exaggerate? I think that's the biggest, maybe like, um, like mess up. <laughs> like, I feel like when there's an emergency situation, the bystander is going to be like, "This person's having a seizure, and it's been lasting an entire minute." When it really happened for like five seconds, right? Because they're freaking out. So yeah. people totally like exaggerate a situation when they're under stress. So. That does happen. Uh, so a lot of times, so they'll, you know, they'll ask you a series of questions. And know that, that when they're asking these questions, help's already on the way. So like they already know where you are. They already know, you, where you're lo- they know your location and what's going on. So your help is already on the way. But the, what they're going to ask you more questions, and that, what that determines is the level of response. So like, all right, we're going to 123 ABC Street. Great. Awesome. And tell me what happened. Oh, person's having a seizure. All right. Sending help. No, sending help. You know, see now, stay on the line, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do next. So they're going to say, uh, give you what they call pre-arrival dispatch instructions, or PDI. So they're going to tell you, roll a patient on their, on their side. Don't stick anything down their their mouth. They can't swallow their tongue. That's another misconception. Like, oh, they're having a seizure. They can swallow their tongue. You can't physically swallow your tongue. It's physically impossible. So, like, put a patient on their side. You know, uh, let them have their seizure. Um, gather up the medicine, their medications. Put away all pets because pets love us. Uh, they love, you know, they love everyone that comes in the house. But if you're, like, trying to, like, pick up the, the, their, their owner and put them on a stretcher, they think they are attacking sometimes. So it's going to put, like, your dog away because the dog might try to... Right, Doesn't, like, right. it might not be Just friendly. Just protect it, yeah. Yeah, so it helps us. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of just, they'll, they'll ask you a few more questions. And they're just pretty much to determine the level of response. So if it's a cardiac arrest or something bad, we call that an echo, which is a really, really bad call. So we send the closest everything a police officer, a fireman, paramedic, whoever's closest, we're going to send them to you immediately. And they're going to ask you if there's an AED around. Usually in a lot of public places, they're around airports, restaurants. There's always uh, gyms. They all have AEDs. So um, th- so they'll probably ask you probably to go run and have someone go run and get it. Um, and then they're going to give you instructions on what to do until we get there. So it's always good to like know where your surroundings are, know where you are, Know what's happening, and if you see something, say something, and we're always there for you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. <laughs> 366 if it's a leap year, we're there for you. So That's hilarious. Um, That's great. I was just thinking, is there, like, a number for non-emergencies, but where you, where it's not an emergency, I need you right now, but I, I do want someone. Yes. So like soon. that is obviously by different jurisdiction. You can look, go up online and look. Locally, it's... Uh, so that's just, like, numbers. something you have to Google. Like, okay, yeah, so I want someone 
hey, look, like, like, how would I, ser- like, research that, like, like, local police department? Yeah, so, like, Non-emergency s- number? Yeah, non-emergency. So, if you see, like, um... Like, like, well, okay, this is actually, I asked that okay. because I needed to do it, and I, I think eventually I figured it out. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I did, I did. Um, but I was just like, this is a non-emergency, right? I was like questioning it. I'm like, yeah, this is not an emergency. Well, if you, if you, if you have any doubt of the, if you're not sure if it's an emergency or not. It's probably not an emergency. It may not be, but. It's not. It was not. It you, was not. Don't yeah. worry. I did not call 911. Okay, okay. But, and like I said, if, if you ever out there have any kind of like doubt of like, I don't know if I should call or not, just, just call us. Right. I think the thing is, I wish that I just had a number ready to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can always like research your local area and right, save yeah. the phone numbers, your phone. Yeah. The thing is, I got attacked by a dog. Okay, that's kind of like, all right. I got That was so, it was just like, so I was kind of like a little bit in shock and like, holy shit, did this just, it was so quick. Everything happened so freaking yeah. fast. So I did a sales job for two weeks. I was a door-to-door knocker. Okay. And, and I'm used to hearing dogs barking in the background because yes. a lot of people have dogs. And so a couple dogs were barking, totally normal. I knock. So there's two doors, right? We're in Florida, so it's like one, like a screen type yeah. door and then like another door. So there's this old lady that answers the door. And she's, but she doesn't open the door in full. She, it's like at a crack. Yeah. Because I can tell she's trying to hold back her dogs. Yeah. And she's having a hard time holding back her dogs. And so I'm like, hi, I do my little spiel. Mm-hmm. And she's still having a hard time. But then the dogs just ram through her and then ram through the screen door and just immediately the bigger dog just bites my elbow. Like so quickly, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to turn. So it bites my elbow, holds onto it for a few seconds, let go, let's go, practically bites my crotch. It's like, like, just like my upper thigh. Holds on for a few seconds, let go, let's go, runs away, and then I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, all of that happened so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think I was actually more mad because the owner was like, ah, oh, I knew I shouldn't have opened the door. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was so pissed when she said that. I'm like, <laughs> then why'd you fucking open the door? <laughs> um, so anyways, I'm like, and then she was like, what are you selling, dear? And I was like, I don't, fu- like, I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even care anymore. I, I, I I'm like, just, you. yeah. And then she's like, I'm so sorry. Do you want a Band-Aid? And oh. I was like bleeding. I'm like, I, at this point, I'm just like, it's fine. Gosh, just go, go home, find your dog. Because the dog ran away. Yeah. And then she went back inside. I don't know why she went. I think she went back inside to like just put her other dog away. But then it was me alone with the dog. Um, yeah. And well, I didn't know where he went. But then, like, ten seconds later, I find the dog. Mm-hmm. And he comes running at, like, or maybe not running, but, like, trotting yeah. to me. And I'm like, okay, I know what to do in this situation. I don't want to be aggressive at this dog because he already was, like, thought I was a bad person. Yeah. So I'm like, I act very boring. I'm not facing him. I'm not looking at him. But he comes up to me. He sifts me for a little bit. And then he trots up to his house. And then, finally, the owner comes back out. And she grabs him. And I walk away. And I'm like holy shit I'm like in shock and I'm bleeding and I start crying because I'm like did this just really happen right now it was like my third day on the job oh my goodness yeah it was so bad and then that, I think that's why I was like do I call 911 or do I call an emer- like a non-emergency number that I don't even know I, I did you called 911 no I called I, I was at first I called my parents because I'm like what do I do like, there you go yeah <laughs> and I eventually called um, a nine. I looked up a local like non-emergency number and then they got animal control yeah. involved yeah. too 
because there's have to check like rabies and they have yeah, shots yeah, and yeah. They quarantine the dog to make yep. sure that he didn't have rabies. Mm-hmm. It has to go get a shot. It was just like so annoying. Yeah, that's okay. You can call nine one for a dog attack. It's okay. You can do that. I know. I know yeah. it's okay. Yeah. I know it's okay. I'm sure they get shitty calls all the time that are totally unnecessary, and that wouldn't be a terrible call. But I, I didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, that was fun. Do you have any more? Stories from your side. I don't think I have anything else. I'm trying to think here. I don't think I got... Okay. Who's wearing shit at all there? I mean, uh... Okay. So... Well, I think, uh... First of all, thank you for what you do. You do something awesome for the community. And it's really cool that you were able to help out in Miami for the building class. I'm sure that was, like, really crazy but rewarding, too. Yes. Um... Uh, if you, any of you listeners out there want to be a paramedic, he said some of the things to be a great, successful paramedic is to have integrity, great communication skills, and to be compassionate and understanding. You were saying that the hard things about being a paramedic were having that work-life balance, although I think a lot of jobs are like that, mm-hmm. but having that work-life balance, long days, and you see some pretty crazy things, so sometimes that's hard to, mm-hmm. to see, but... The things that you see, you are able to really transform people's lives to the point where, like, you keep them alive. So it's extremely rewarding, and there's a lot of variety. And if you love to help people throughout their their hard times, I really like what you said. You said that you bring calm to the chaos. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. So those are some of the pros to the job. So. Any of you out there that are listening that have maybe thought about this? I've actually thought about this, but I've thought about a lot of things. I've thought about being an actor. I've thought about being a jockey. I've thought about being an EMT. I'm a teacher. Like, I'm all over the place. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Then, yeah, this this is uh, just a really cool thing that you do. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was a really good uh, talk. I liked hearing about it. And uh, thank you, listeners. And I hope that you listen next time on Sit Down, Shut Up, and Listen.